0: ATV Talk, the podcast. Sit down with your host industry professional, Leonard Duncan, as the men and women from the ATV world bring their behind-the-scenes stories to life. Every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And remember, dream big. It could be your story one day.
1: GBC Powersports Tires, a division of Green Ball Corp Go check it out today, www.gprstabilizers.com, or call 619-661-0101. Don't forget to tell them ATV Talk, name. Jacob Stevens, how are you, buddy? And thanks for coming on ATV Talk. No problem. I'm good. How are you? Just another damn paradise here.
2: How about that? Yep. Just uh, working my life away, trying to click off days and get prepared for the season.
1: That's what we do, right? That's, that's right. I mean, that's all we do. <laughs> yeah,
2: that's all we do. We just work and work and
1: live life. It's just another race. You know, I mean, there's no break really. I mean, we get what, six, seven weeks and you're back at prim again. And, and you know, uh, I mean the motocross guys and, and the woods guys get months off.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Which I didn't, uh, uh, it's new to me. We went from prim, which I think eight weeks is from the weekend of prim until the first round. I think it's eight weeks. So it's a little tight, uh, you know, sh- stripped everything off my bike and, um, sent everything out that I need to send out so far and ordered all my parts. And I'll most likely be building the bike like the week or two before the race so. I'm on the starting line. Yeah. Right on it.
1: <laughs> when they're done that. Yeah. You know, and yeah. started months before, you know, or a month before, ah, oh, we'll be on top. We'll be ready. Uh, yeah. tight. That last bolt is your
2: <laughs> crazy. Yeah. 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 But usually during the motocross you get uh, from August until um, like March or May off. So usually the season doesn't start until March or May for motocross. Didn't they run long this year? Um, yeah, we did run. We ran into September this year which was the first in a very long time. Yeah, cuz
1: I remember I hated August in in Tennessee.
2: Yeah, and it, Tennessee was still August and we had uh they did Briarcliff in Ohio for the last round in September. What's that place like? Um it's a decent track. It used to be it's way different now. They completely redid the whole track. Um I actually never rode it. We raced there in 2014, and that year I broke my collarbone so I didn't race. Um but it was a good track. It was fun, super high speed super hard packed, but it's a good place. I think I think I like Loretta's as the last round a little bit better. It's just kind of like the history behind Loretta's and the fact that, you know, we only get to ride it one time a year. And, you know, Briarcliff, everybody could go there and practice, you know, during the week and stuff like that. I think Loretta's is a very good uh last round just because you you don't get to really practice it. You know, it's the the point of, of Loretta Lens is is to be a a championship race, you know, even though it's not, you know, crazy huge track and stuff, but it's, it's, it's a good ending round and it was kind of a bummer that we ended somewhere else.
0: Yeah, it is
1: uh, unusual. Isn't it
2: very, very, I don't, I don't even, I couldn't even tell you if there was a season that didn't end at Loretta's in the past 10 years.
1: Do you know if they were, re- it recovered after the flood?
2: Um, I'm not sure, but I do believe they announced that they're still going to hold the event this year. I know it's on the national, the, the quad schedule. So I'm assuming that it'll be, it'll be back up and going for, for that event. Wow. That's crazy. crazy. Yeah. It was a crazy flood. And the, the craziest part about it was, it was like a week right after we all left. That's crazy to think about. Cause if that would have hit us when we were there, I could only imagine how many dollars would have been in damage and how many lives would have been at stake. I mean, it was like five feet of water that they got. It was insane. And it was like in the blink of an eye, I think, it I think all the water came down within like the matter of like 30 minutes.
0: That's just nuts.
2: Yeah. I mean, it, we all
1: have the threat of natural disasters. Yep. And I know that's not what our show is supposed to be about, but that, that, you know, the, the, um, Kentucky deal right now is, is yeah nuts. I mean, I feel, yeah. I feel for those people. You know, yeah. Uh, yeah. They're scared of earthquakes. Well, you know what? I'm scared of tornadoes and hurricanes.
2: So yeah, yeah. Hurricanes more or less than tornadoes.
1: <laughs> well, either one is going to take you out. That's true. <laughs> no, I mean, uh,
2: That's true. I don't know. How I many tornadoes? Tornadoes hit Cali? None. No. I mean, these hurricanes aren't very common out there either, are they? No. Yeah. Uh I, I think there was uh think there was a tornado thing
1: uh not too long ago, but it was in comparison, it was minuscule. Yeah. The, the rest of the country or world has to deal with, so it's not even worth talking
0: about. You know? Yeah.
1: We haven't had a knock on wood, we haven't had a big earthquake earthquake in a while. Yeah. But, uh, You know, where we live in Southern California, you feel a little rumbling now and again, but it's, it's having to shake stick at. Yeah. Ah, you know, we, we, that's why we race ATVs so that we don't have to worry about those things. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) They're going to race rain, shine, snow, sleep, whatever. We're racing. So just be quiet.
2: Yep. We're always racing.
1: (laughs) your quad stays on the ground you're going to win you know it <laughs> gets caught in the whirlwind i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's just the luck of the draw oh yeah so you started 21 in the motocross nationals mm-hmm. um how did how was that going for you and were you consistently uh in the points or
2: um so uh me and uh, paul turner my mechanic we talked about um, doing the pro stock class again, like I did the season prior. And um, we ventured away from it. We put a couple uh, aftermarket parts on. I think we put a vortex and exhaust and intake and uh, we wanted to race pro sport. I knew I was going to have a little bit of a dif- disadvantage compared to you know, some of the kids were riding hybrids and of the kids were just, you know, had the the capability of training all winter and stuff like that. But I just, I was going out for fun. I knew it was going to be my last season. We already had the plan to move west, so I was just going there, you know, have a good time, and I raced pro sport all season, and I was a consistent like top four rider, I'd say. Um, had a couple of podiums, and you know, my average was probably like fourth. So it was a good season overall. Um, had a ton of fun, you know. The whole national series is is a blast, and everybody there is you know great and stuff like that. So we just went for fun. And, and uh, I actually, towards the end of the season, um, I made the decision, you know, once we started you know, building this race bike for works, I wanted to uh, finally just make my step into the pro class at nationals. It's been a very long time. And I figured, you know, with the amount of time and effort and, and money that we've put into it, I, I felt like I owed myself the, the opportunity to get the experience uh in, in the pro class. So, We raced that at the very last round of Briarcliff, which was, uh, um, kind of a crazy experience, but I'm glad I did it. And it was a good time. Well, that's awesome.
1: That's awesome. That, that, that you made that, what was the contributing factor to move out West?
2: Um, so, um, my family, I have a older brother and older sister that live out here. My older brother is, um, has a family with three kids and uh, my older sister has a family with two kids and my parents wanted to be out here with them. And um, I figured, you know, I don't get to see that side of my family all that much. And um, we wanted to just come spend more time with them and be closer and, and be able to see the my nieces and nephews grow up and and spend more time with family. So we made the decision based off of family. And then, you know, works was just part of it because that was kind of the only, only option I had with where we were moving to
1: if you still lived back East, would you be racing the motocross nationals?
0: Yeah, I would probably be doing another season in national.
1: Uh, are, are you having buyer's remorse?
2: Um, I do miss it. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> and I'll probably, I'll probably be a little upset when, when I see them, uh, all at the first race and I won't be there, but, um, it's all right. It's a new, it's a new start for me. I, I enjoy, um, kind of the, the new competition, the new faces, the different style of racing, um, I love, you know, where we live now. I love the area. I love the weather. And I can't stress to people how much the weather is just amazing out here. Um, <laughs> but I do I I I I will miss it when it comes comes closer for sure.
1: Yeah, you just you caught the tail end of the heat, didn't
2: you? Oh yeah. I caught the very tail end of the heat. When we got here, it was like low nineties and it was a little warm, but it wasn't too bad. And then a couple of weeks in it was like mid eighties, like low, low mid eighties, and it was like the perfect temperature. Oh, just wait. <laughs> oh yeah. I'm looking. I'm not looking forward to summertime. I see why we get four months off. <laughs> when you
1: just set the pan out on the hood of the truck and your eggs start
0: cooking. You know, <laughs> yeah. like, oh, that's a, a
1: little warm today. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. That That's pretty crazy stuff. Yeah. So you had a little bit of coaching, you know, Paul's made some calls. You've made some calls. Your dad's made some calls. You had a base idea what you were getting into because you've spent a little time on the West Coast mm. prior to moving back east. Um
0: Glenn Helen. Yeah, Glen Helen
2: was that was I don't even know how, how yeah. to put it into words. It was it was tough because you know, we just drove across the country like a few days before we left for Glen Helen. So getting here, getting settled into the house, getting everything unpacked, and then having to get everything together to go racing was, was kind of a hassle, but, um, we got everything together. We got there. Uh, I, I rode Friday, the MX practice, which was super fun time. The, the motocross track was a good time. And then, um, uh, Saturday, the unclassified practice, uh, it was kind of intimidating, um, just in practice, just, just saw, seeing what, like how long the course was. And even if it wasn't, you know, what in the long ones, that's, that's normal to the, the, the works guys, but to me it was like, wow, there's a lot to remember on this track. And there's a lot of a lot of um different things that you know you're not used to seeing. And um, you know practicing, I was I was kind of intimidated. I was a little worried about how how tough it was actually going to be. Um, I wouldn't say I necessarily underestimated it going into it, but I didn't I didn't give it enough credit
1: if that makes sense. I get it. I most people don't
0: yeah
2: so um yeah so i i I kind of um was a little shocked after Saturday, um just trying to keep my head up i i I had to remind myself that you know I wasn't here to to prove anything to anybody, this was just you know to practice and and learn for for this coming year, um so we went and raced and I actually did pretty good you know a couple couple laps in we i think i i came out like fifth, um I battled with Spooner for a little bit. Uh, made the pass on him. And then I was in fourth and then um going through the pro section over the rocks. I think Mike Sloan got stuck on one of the rocks and I was able to pass for third there and I held third for a couple laps. And then I pitted and, um, I, my bike stalled on me in the pits and you were there, you saw that. Did, and uh, did,
1: I never found out why it stalled. Cause it's I don't a know for them to stall like that.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I, I honestly, I don't, I don't know why it stalled. Um, My guess is the, uh, the solenoid was bad because when I went to Mesquite, um, it wasn't running right all weekend and we had to bump start it all weekend and, and use battery jumpers and jump the battery. And, and, uh, we replaced the solenoid before prim and it's, it's run fine since. So I think the bike got hot and then that solenoid went out. And once that solenoid went out, it kind of was just pulling power out of the battery and wasn't giving the bike enough voltage to stay running so i think that's why it died um but then we had to bump start it and then um that following lap i was in i think 6th i was behind logan huff and going into the pro section logan huff had just crashed that lap and they were they told us all to stop instead of you know they said in the pro meeting if there was somebody blocking the pro section that they were going to flag us around it well they weren't flagging us around it they told me to stop when i stopped my bike stalled again but then I spent a bunch of times getting it bump started again and then by that time I was way in the back and I just kind of finished the race where I was and and took it for what it was.
1: Yeah, I was a little I was a little excited there when you were in 3rd watching you ride, you know, thinking an East Coasters in 1st, bows in 2nd and East Coasters in 3rd. This <laughs> doesn't bode well for us, was.
2: It? <laughs> yeah, honestly, I was pretty happy with where I was sitting. I knew Oh, I, I knew going into it, Bo was going to be, you know, an insane competitor. I mean, he's won what now? Is this his ninth championship or his tenth? Ninth. This is ninth. So I knew, you know, a nine-time champion, it, it, he's not going to be anything easy to to compete with. So I knew he was going to be tough, tough to even ride with. Um, And him and Joel kind of just took off. And when I got into third, um, I was pretty happy and content with where I was, and I was just trying to get into a groove and find a pace, but you know, after all the problems, I spiked my heart rate. I got a little tired and, and I don't, I'm not sure if I could have held it. I I I don't, I don't know a hundred percent if I would have been able to held hold Sloan and, and Spooner off. I, I saw how fast they were, they were going at the end of the race. So it would have been interesting to see without issues where, where I would have lied, but all right, it was a learning curve and helped me out.
1: The, the Glenn Helen, I know we've said it on previous shows and then on our race report, Everybody from third back had problems in that race. Yeah. You, Mike Booner, you know, Travis Damon. I mean, everybody. Yeah. It was, it was crazy. I was just, I was so disappointed in the, in our, in our, our beyond our top guy performance And you know what? It was just unfortunate for so many aspects, you know, Logan hurt Travis crashing, your bike stalling, Mike's chain coming off. I think he had another issue was something else happened. so, I mean, you're just, you're just dealing with things that, you know, just shouldn't happen. And I I just uh, was a little frustrated myself from watching. I think that the West coasters or everybody is just a little faster
0: than that.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I agree, and I, I think you know after you know racing mesquite, you know I kind of got a taste for for true speed on on everybody in that class. So, um, yeah, I definitely think uh, Glen Helen was pretty, pretty unfortunate for a lot of people, but, you know, yeah, So what makes exactly. us racers better.
1: Exactly, you got to learn from it. Um, you rolled into Mesquite, and you came out in the two spot on the on, on the first turn. Mm-hmm and you instantly got to meet Travis Damon.
2: Yeah. So came out in second. Um, and I was riding with Bo and uh, we talked about this in the previous podcast, but, um, his pace was just, you know, unreal. And I knew that if I kept that pace that I was going to be dead. And, and, you know, we talked about that's kind of his game plan to set that, that that pace so fast that it kind of intimidates the other riders. And, Kind of forces them to mentally defeat themselves and back them off. So it definitely worked on me. I backed off a little bit. I set into a pace, and then you know, shortly, maybe maybe two laps later, um, Travis Damon and I, you know, we had a pretty good battle for the first couple laps, and he eventually made the move on me, and and I kind of, you know, I was just getting beat up out there, and and you know, just kind of didn't have enough, enough training under my belt yet. So I got a pretty, pretty beat up and pretty gassed out. And he ended up passing me and then Sloan ended up catching me. He ended up passing me. So, um, it was all right. I finished with the fourth, which was, you know, way better than what I finished at Glen Helen. So I was happy with that. And then, um, um, yeah, going into the last round then.
1: When you, uh, there's a cool picture. Uh, I think it's on Instagram of Mm -hmm. you and Travis together. Yeah. Well, um you're it, it almost looks like you guys are hitting running into each other. Yeah. I don't even think you guys made contact, did you? No,
2: we didn't. That that corner, I know exactly what corner that was. It was right before we came back down the hill into the motocross section. Um it was a real long, wide open, like real rough pounded straightaway. And then at the very end of it there was a left hand corner and it was split lane. So every lap before that, he kept taking the outside trying to make a pass on me and I would just take the inside and the lines would run right into each other so every lap we were side by side right there but my line kind of just went faster than his
1: that yeah that was it was just a, such a cool picture you know
2: yeah oh yeah
1: I mean, it, well especially when the guy that built the pipes is is like an, yep
0: you know,
1: <laughs> yep that's right <laughs> you know that's not what it's supposed to be about but that's <laughs> no, cool, it, cool that's yeah. Yeah, cool when when you were at mesquite the motocross section there. What did you think of that?
2: I loved it. That was my favorite aspect of that race. That that motocross section was, was phenomenal. It was, it was a very, very good time. And there was actually, um, I don't know how many people actually saw me do it. I know the people that were there, um, saw me do it, but there was this big double out of a corner. Um, and nobody was jumping it and I was the only, <laughs> I was the only one jumping it. Oh, so it was a cool, cool it, section.
1: It gives you a dimension that they have to think about. Yeah you know, if there's a, if there's a couple spots on the track where you can make those, those gains,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, you know, they'll have to fight harder. You know, if they can, if they're right there with you, they have to fight harder to gain the time back that they lose. It may only be a couple of seconds, but they're still losing time to you.
2: Right. Right. And then, and that's the, my kind of plus side is I, I don't know how many tracks we go to that have that kind of a um, motocross section. Um, but, you know, finding those little things in a motocross tracker, you know, like Glenn Helen, um, I know you said something to me about, um, how me and Joel were going through the rollers and, uh, we were kind of double and double and through those. And, you know, not a lot of people were doing it. They were kind of you know, timid a little bit, but, um, you know, that those little things on a motocross track, I'm, I'm pretty happy about, um, taking that skill into works. Cause I think that I'll be able to translate those things and gain a little bit of speed on, on most of the competitors in the motocross section that you know, it'll just make them, you know, a little, it'll, it'll be a little bit harder for them to, to make the pass on me and, and, and beat me.
1: Yeah. I don't, I don't think uh, many of the tracks that you're going to go to are like Glen Helen and Mm -hmm. they don't have
2: uh, any crazy sections.
1: Really? I mean, I'm trying to pick it through my head and I could be wrong, but I don't see I don't see anybody else having a really really cool motocross tracks like that. Yeah. avisu has got a little bit of motor section in it. Yeah. But it's whoops, turns, whoops, whoops
2: yeah. turns, whoops, right. turns. To separate anybody. Yeah. Oh yeah. It separates you. Oh yeah.
1: Yeah. The the cream rises to the top there.
2: <laughs> in a big, hurry.
0: in
1: oh, yeah. a big hurry. So, you know, when you get there, you'll know.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I hear that's the the toughest track we go to is is Lake Avasu.
1: I think and this is just my perspective of it. I think that uh, Havasu has always been the toughest. It's changed quite a bit. Um, it's not as pound killing you uh, because they do so much grooming now. Mm-hmm. In the old days, they didn't groom it that much. And you just, yeah. just rode what was there. And it was just Yeah. when you first lap of practice beat you to death. And the second lap of practice beat you to death. And at the end of the race, you were just hamburger because it just was, it was just, you were just pounding it out. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, I love it. I love that place. I thought it was great because you could go in maybe as not having the same speed, but if you could pound it out and you could ride through the rough, you were the guy. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. Josh Fredericks and Doug Eichner were, th- that was just a battleground for them guys. Yeah. They were both so tough. You Know when they're on lap 12, everybody else was on lap nine. Yeah, you know, I mean, yeah. that's being hyperbolic, but right, you know, they were just that far in front of everybody.
2: Yeah, unbelievable. yeah, I, I'm I'm you know, kind of taking it as it is. Um, I thought Mesquite was pretty crazy, and from what uh, I talked to Travis Damon about it a little bit, and he said that Mesquite was pretty pretty comparable to to havasu i think the only difference was is um, mesquite had some of those um, wide open straightaways and and you know break spots and they had the large motocross section to where havasu is you don't really get a break and it's kind of just like the toughest part of mesquite always (laughs) right So, so that's how he explained it to me so it'll be interesting to see how that goes and um hopefully we can have a little bit better stamina coming into this season than I did the, this past couple of races.
1: <laughs> <laughs> just train, get used to it. You got to get your yeah. body to it. So as you rolled into prim, you had some issues prior to the race, mm-hmm.
0: you know?
2: Yeah. You... So but those electrical issues that, that fell off from, from Mesquite and, and, uh, Glen Helen, we, uh, we got those taken care of, um, ordered a bunch of parts, me and Paul, we kind of diagnosed the problem and, and kind of took a shot in the dark with the problem, but we ordered enough things to, <laughs> to change, to hopefully fix it. And, and we ended up fixing it and going in, I, I, I knew my bike was, was in good shape. Everything was, was, was good, you know, brand new parts. Um, So I was pretty confident going into it. And uh, we got there. We, uh, I wasn't, you know, a crazy big fan of, of the mixed weekend, um, not to like say anything bad about the series, but it was a lot of, of waiting around on that weekend and you know, we raced so late in the day and it was definitely a different, different feeling than, than the previous two rounds, just because we're going from, you know, racing at, you know, 10 30 to racing at three 30 in the afternoon. We, uh, I had to deal with, you know, a ton of different aspects where what I was eating throughout the day. And if I wasn't eating, you know, make sure I wasn't eating too much, but making sure I was eating enough and, um, you know, staying hydrated throughout the day and stuff like that. It was definitely a different, different atmosphere than, than a normal, uh, works race would have been. Um, we had to deal with sunlight. I don't know if anybody else had said it, but the, where the sun set and, and there was a a ton of sections on the course that, um, right when it was setting, the sun was just like blinding you in the eyes and you couldn't really see the track. So it was definitely a a couple of different obstacles that, that, um, I wasn't used to and, and kind of, I, I was expecting, you know, not many people to be used to, but, um, yeah, we got the bike dialed and, um, the dead start was new. And me and Paul had talked about putting the, the 24 volt system on and we kind of vetoed it cause we didn't have, you know, he wasn't looking at my, my harness in person. So he kind of vetoed it and, uh, we just went there and and hopefully was was gonna get a good start with the dead start. I I practiced a couple before the weekend, but not enough to to get that comfortable with them. Um so we got the bike started, got taken off and took off and uh came into the corner pretty far back. Um, but there was real soft sand around the outside from the previous quad race. It looked like they were just kind of blowing the dirt bike ruts out and everybody was. Uh, it was real dusty. Everybody I could see was kind of checking up and protecting those insides, but they were getting held up from the people in front of them that were also checking up. So I was just hitting outsides as hard as I could in the soft stuff, and I made a few passes. And I think going into the pro section, I was I was in third, right behind, or fourth, right behind Hunter Hart. Um, and we, you know, ducked into the chicken line because <laughs> those K rails were crazy. So we ducked into those, and and when I came out of the chicken line, I could see Bo and Travis all the way at the end of the the, um, Oh, Lucas oil track. They were all the way down the straightaway when we came out. So I knew that that chicken line was going to be a big determining factor for, for where we placed. But I knew if, if I could keep Hunter in sight, I, I had a feeling that he was just going to stay in that chicken lane the whole time, which he, he ended up hitting the, the K rails at the very end. But, um, a couple laps in, I was battling with Hunter, you know, he was right there in front of me. We were, we were going at it and, and I kind of just wanted to, I kind of, you know, said, screw it. I'm going for these K rails. I want to make a pass. And I went for the K rails and I got held up for probably a minute. I couldn't get over them. I kept getting stuck on top. And um I actually almost went over the bars. And um eventually I just, you know, sacked up and went wide open and made it over. And uh <laughs> went <laughs> went back into sixth. Um made a pass on Josh Merritt. And, uh, Kenny, Kenny, uh, Stanford, we, then I got myself into fourth right behind Hunter again, but he was pretty far out. And uh, I just, I kind of stayed in fourth for a majority of the race. And then, um, Josh Merritt came, you know, out of nowhere, I didn't even see him coming. I really wasn't looking over my shoulder. I was just trying to, trying to ride my race and and look forward. And he came out of nowhere. We battled for a few laps and, um, you know, so far prim was the best I felt. Um, out of those, those three races, prim was definitely the best physically that I felt, um, you know, an hour and and 10 minutes in when me and Josh were battling, I felt, you know, fatigued, but able to, to keep going rather than, you know, just pulling the chute and letting them pass me and, and taking a fifth. So we were battling, 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 and then came through the pits, um, on I think the hour and 15 mark and went through the finish line and my clutch was just absolutely fried. I was just, I was all over it. I was full, full motocross clutching it at that whole race. And <laughs> it was a, a mistake that I'll, I'll learn from and and not do again. Um, but fried the clutch and, and I had to park it for the rest of the race. But I was, I was happy with how I finished, even though I, I DNF'd, um, I was happy with how I was riding. Did, did
1: you, uh, Does your ear still hurt from Paul chewing on it?
2: Oh yeah. Paul was, Paul was not, he was not happy. He was not happy. I ended up, well, not to throw him under the bus, you know, but he sent me parts and he sent me clutch kits and, then he sent me a, a, a bag of new stock springs, clutch springs. And he always told me never put stock clutch springs in, but, They come with stock springs in the box and then he sent me an extra set of them. I was like, Oh, he sent me an extra set. This is what he wants me to put in. So I thought, right. He didn't, he didn't want me to put those in. He's like, I didn't even know I sent them to you. I didn't, he's like, you should have called me and asked. I'm like, well, you sent them to me. I just figured, Oh, they're in the bag. I'll put them in. So we put the, we put the softer springs in. And he said that that probably had a little bit of a factor in it going as fast as it did. (laughs) So kind of kicking myself, kind of kicking myself in the butt there for, for, for not, you know, making sure what I should be putting it in and stuff like that. But
1: some guy's still in the
2: camera,
1: <laughs> um, that place always, you guys are always going there. Never saw it shows down,
2: does it? No, Now you can actually, if you see behind me, you can see all the, yeah, all the machines it, and, and everything the lights were on and people were working just, yep. Finish. Yep. They were in there. Printing t-shirts, making nuts, making hats, everything.
1: That's freaking awesome. That's good stuff right there.
2: Mm -hmm. So you got through prim, you you feel
1: good about it. Your, your, your program's progressing. Um, what do you think that you're going to physically do different to prepare for 2022 works that you would do to prepare for a motocross national?
2: Um, I think the the biggest difference is just the duration overall. So um, before, you know, racing uh, motocross, it was, you know, short sprint pace, pace workouts. So I would do anywhere between 25 minutes and 40 minutes of, of high heart rate sprint workouts, which I'm still going to continue to do those um, just because, you know, there are moments in the works race that we're sprinting. I think I'm just going to, um, Focus a little bit more on that hour and a half mark. You know, cycling for an hour and a half or two hours, or you know, going to the gym and and doing a little bit of strength training, and then you know, an hour of of running or or cycling, or you know, just just trying to mix in a little bit more of um, long longevity cardio training. To where I, I didn't really focus on that before with motocross. So um, still mixing in the sprint stuff, and um, I'm gonna I'm gonna focus a little bit more on on the the longer um cardio cardiovascular part of it that way i can i think cuz i mean i didn't really get gassed out but um my arms fatigue and and you know muscles fatigue so if i can if i can focus on those muscles that i felt fatiguing for that duration of time um that's pretty much my main focus of of what i'm going to do to prepare for for 22 did you see the schedule i did see the schedule it's tentative. So, is that is is it going to change or?
1: There might be some changes depending on what goes on. Yeah, this craziness that we live in nowadays. Right. Um, there's a Vegas round in there. What do you mean a Vegas round? Yeah, they're going to have a if it, it says Las Vegas on one of the one one of the dates. Oh, does it? Yeah, that means you're going to race at a casino. Really? Yeah. Isn't that prim? No. No. prims
0: its own prim okay oh
1: las vegas is las vegas it's 40 minute drive down the road
2: right okay i didn't see that
1: yeah i could have swore that i seen it i would i would have to go back and look i haven't really secured looking at the schedule yeah i think it goes prim and then havasu and then taft i think that's the order
2: i'm not sure all i know is around one's prim yeah. That's the f- the 15th of January. <laughs> That's yeah. all I know so far.
1: <laughs> yeah, can you bump that back to like the end of January. Please? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Cause trust me, I'm, uh, uh, I'm already stressing it, you know?
2: Yeah. I mean too. I, I don't even, my bike is a skeleton at the moment. So, um, shipped everything out to Paul to get rebuilt, um, shipped to you guys the head. Um, and then, uh, he's planning on flying out in the beginning of January with the motor and, and we're gonna assemble the bike and and get it all ready for round one. That's
1: good. That's good.
2: I like to hear that. <clears throat>
0: mm-hmm.
1: Get Paul out of the dungeon in the cold and out yep. here, when the weather's warm. <laughs> that's right. nicer.
2: I was trying to get him to come to Prim, but um, he's got stuff going on with his kids and stuff. So hopefully he can make another race.
1: Oh, that's a bummer. Yeah. Yeah, because he was he was busting my chops. If I'm going, you got to go.
2: <laughs> yeah. He was supposed to, but something came up with, with one of his daughters and softball. So I told him, don't worry about it. Take care of your kids and we'll figure out a different time.
1: Yeah. Cause he's like quite the softball dad now.
2: Oh yeah. He is like softball dad to the extreme. All of his kids play. I don't know if his little one cookie does, but um, Zoe and Melina, they play and um, they're good. Good, good most girls are good at softball. So he's taking it serious and he's full on, you know, he's out there in his Yamaha visor and he's he's gonna have those kids to to keep going. So Trust me, I
1: already I already got that teacher. I had a I had a daughter that played a lot of ball. Yeah all over and and uh I really really enjoyed coaching them, coaching yeah. those girls. They little girls play at a way more higher intensive level. It's after they become teenagers and meet boys. That's when it gets tough. Yep. Yep. Dirty, rotten boys. do cause them. <laughs> that's right. Well, I hey, lost a lot of good racers to, 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 to girls.
0: Yeah. Yep.
1: Yep. We have. Oh yeah. It happens. I mean, yeah. I mean, how many, well, you know, you've had a girlfriend or two. Yep.
2: Yeah. yeah no, it's definitely, it definitely, uh, it definitely plays a factor in, in a, in a sport for sure.
1: Exactly, Always does brother. Always does. does.
2: When we roll into prim, um,
1: I've already heard that it's not going to be like it was last time. You have an idea of the consistency of the dirt and some of the things that the obstacles that you will face. Um, Are you going to be nervous about it at all? And there's no motorcycles this time.
2: Um, No, I'm actually, I'm more excited about the no motorcycle thing just because the track kind of developed in a weird way. Um and we talked about it on the previous previous episode but um the track developed in a really weird way with with how the dirt bike rut's were. So I'm I'm actually I'm looking forward to it. Um I think the track's going to come around and be a, a little bit different, a little bit uh suits it's going to suit the quads a little bit more. Um kind of nervous about the pro section, not going to know what they're going to throw at us. Um I know we had the k rails at the last one. Um if we have them, we have them. I'm just going to have to gonna have to practice a little bit and, and go for it um do you know what rocks
1: are mm-hmm.
0: here you go buddy we got rocks
1: can I just start thinking about rocks
2: I don't mind the rocks look at the Glen Helen section I did pretty well I was a little nervous about it and I know it's only a short yeah, a short uh, little pad yeah. I saw the picture from the previous year yeah, about you know, the the uh, hill that they go down
1: um I think that that's gonna be a I'm probably throwing an inside curveball, but yeah, that's probably something yeah. that, that you'll see um I believe there's one other section they ran uh there in the years past uh, that would uh because they didn't even run you guys off to the right of that mm-hmm. road, uh, yeah, because there's a, a a tunnel that you can go under or a bridge that you can go under and and things like that that makes it pretty interesting. Mm-hmm makes the course a lot longer i think it makes it faster you know um which is always a lot of fun you yeah. know high speed whoops are oh, you know, yeah. kind of more of a characteristic for the west coast stuff anyways yeah
2: yeah but yeah i'm 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 looking forward to it more more than i was the last round for sure i think just because it's going to be a new year new start um i'm going to have a lot more training under my belt and and uh kind of a different different uh shape of the track, but same dirt, same, same, same place. So I'm, I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it.
1: I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Is there anybody other than Bo that, that, that sticks out for you for next year that, that you're keeping an eye on watching what they're doing, checking, checking to see how they're progressing?
2: Um, I mean, Sloan and, and, and Travis Damon, they, those two, you know, they're not going to get any slower. So, um, they're definitely, are definitely going to be there no matter if I want them there or not. So, um, I don't see much of, of what they do for training. Um, I do follow um, both of them on Instagram, but, um, they don't post much. So I see, I see every once in a while what they're doing or what's going on, but, um, I just, nobody really knows who, who's going to be where until you know the gate drops. So, um, I know they're, they're, they're going to be there and, um, I'm pretty confident with how I, how I, uh, I feel on for speed wise on a bike. I think um, once I get that endurance under my belt and a little bit more um, training there, I think I'll be able to to run right there with them. And, you know, I'm not saying I'm, I'm going to blow anybody out of the water, but um, I'm hoping to, to give them a run for the, for their money for, for the following year. Do you think
1: Bo's age is going to affect him next year? Mm, I don't
0: think so.
2: I don't think. From the last race up for him to the first race, um, I don't think it will um, i th- I don't know I don't know how he's gonna be. I know he's gonna be fast, and I know he's gonna be working hard, and uh he's gonna be a tough one tough one to compete with, so um hopefully we can steal a win or two <laughs> throughout the year, but I'm focusing on podiums first, and then we'll we'll work on wins after that
1: well that's a that's a good theory. Have you made any changes to your, your setup from the first three rounds to develop your machine more to the off-road that uh, you, you didn't see that you were going to make before?
2: Um, no, other than um, just, just kind of shock testing with Doug um, each race. We, we kind of just did a couple different things that, that he wanted to try with me and, and to see what would work. And, and, you know, he was learning who I was as a rider and, and you know, we were testing different things. And the biggest thing was just a suspension change throughout those three rounds. Um, I don't think we're changing anything major going into the year. Um, I know we're gonna do a little bit of, of tuning and and um, stuff like that with um, the ECU and and um, a little bit, a couple different things, maybe halfway through the year, you know, when we get that summer break, I think we're gonna focus um, on that bigger break to do a little bit more testing. Um, so I think we're gonna stick with what we have um, for the most part right now. And then once we get that bigger break, I think we're going to, we're going to take that time and we're going to test a couple different things and see if we can, you know, make improvements then.
1: Are you planning on going to go going back East at all and doing anything next year back East?
2: Um, at the moment we have a plan to go to Loretta's in August. Um, I'm not sure if it's a hundred percent set in stone, but, um, I know I'll probably end up showing my face at a couple of nationals, even if I don't, don't ride or race. Um, I'm definitely going to go show my face and, you know, support my friends and, and people that, that, uh, are important to me there. Um, but for racing, probably just Nat or Loretta's, I might go there, um, drive out, you know, make the drive and and race there. So we'll see. It's in the, it's in the, it's in the works. Um, nothing set in stone, but
1: well, you'll check it out.
2: Yeah. We're going to, yeah. I don't think I could ever leave the series and never look back.
1: (laughs) That's true. Have you done any woods racing at all? I haven't. Mm -hmm. So it's just been moto. And then you, then you dipped your, your toes into the water to the off-road stuff.
2: Yep. Just moto. I've been racing motocross for the past nine years, nine seasons. Have you given it any thought to
1: possibly doing a desert race?
0: Um, W- racing woods
1: no desert racing because off-road works isn't desert racing you race in the desert oh yeah it's yeah, It's not yeah. a true desert race
2: i haven't i haven't and i like i haven't looked too much into it but i've seen a couple riders i know uh evan spooner does a lot of them um and stuff like that but i haven't looked too much into it i'd be interested i'd do one for sure
1: well evan's the guy that in your area that you'd probably be teaming up with yeah you know and if the if the good Evan shows up, he's freaking almost unbeatable.
2: Yeah. Yeah. He's, he was fat. He's, I mean, I've only raced him at Glen Helen so far, but he was ripping at Glen Helen. So um, I don't know how much he's going to actually race next year. No, um, he's not. I, 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 I'm
1: hoping he does, but there's yeah, a possibility. Too. He might not show up at all.
2: Yeah. I know he talked, I, I talked to him at Glen Helen a little bit and he said, and you know, he kind of just does this, this for, for fun. So, if it works out in his schedule where he wants to go race that weekend, then he, you know, he makes it out, but you know, he's, he said he, he doesn't, he's not going to commit to a full season.
1: It's a bummer. Cause we yeah
2: need, you know, yeah, he's, number. he's good. He's, he's a good racer. I wish he could make it to all of them, but you know, at that point it's, it's up to him and his personal decision and
0: stuff like that. So.
1: Yeah. The, the, have you, you didn't even follow any of the pro-am guys because a couple of them uh, one for sure is coming up mm-hmm. and maybe another one. I'm I'm just not sure.
2: I guess my guess would be um, Alex Ortiz. I think he said something about coming up, right?
1: Yep. He's he's, he announced at the banquet that he's at.
2: <clears throat> yep. And then uh, is Braxton coming up too? No, he's too young. Oh, really? Yep. He'd be a good competitor. That kid rips. I don't know who else would it be. Would, it, would Kenny's little brother be coming up?
1: That's the other one that's a possibility.
2: Yeah, they, they're fast kids.
1: But Braxton's young, dude. He's 14. Is he really? Yeah. Wow. He might be 15.
2: How old do you have to be to go pro? Six, 16? Uh, in the
1: AMA, you have to have X number, have to of have kids, it. I believe, and be 16 years old.
2: Well, AMA, in, in the motocross world, you have to be 18 with a high school diploma. And I think they should. Yeah, I agree. I think it should be 18 years. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. The series out here. I saw a couple, there was a kid at prim. I don't even know how old he was racing pro and he got second.
1: He had to sign a special waiver. Wow.
2: He didn't even look old enough. These kids aren't even old enough to technically ride four fifties. And
1: I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't, you know, I know Mr. Jackson and I I would never want to, uh, say anything negative. It's it's his, his choice. Uh, I wouldn't have never let my son ride that machine at that age.
2: Well, yeah, then and, in and the Nationals, they have an age limit of of 450s. So you can't ride a 450 until you're 16 years old. Yeah, but doesn't that kid rip? He does. They do. They all rip. Know, his, hell yeah, they
1: rip. And his Braxton bro- and,
2: and uh, that little, you know, him that. He-
1: you didn't get to see his brother ride. I didn't. No, that other, the, the little kid that, that went so fast, he's got an older brother that's freaking fast, as fast or faster.
2: Really?
0: Yeah.
1: It's rip for sure.
0: I mean, they're, they're just
1: fast. They, they're smoking fast. It's crazy how fast they can go. Plus, yeah. the bike doesn't have to pull any weight. You know, they're, yeah. really pretty... yep. That's true. I mean, that helps a bunch too. But mm-hmm. skill set that, that, that kid, hey,
2: the smaller you are, the harder it is to hold on to. So I give, them pre- I give them credit. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're holding on to that thing. I can't believe they're holding on to those machines the way they do.
1: And to go as fast as they're going
2: yeah impressive
1: impressive did
2: you get to watch any of the motorcycle stuff? yeah I watched the the pro race on on Sunday.
1: Those guys move, don't they?
2: yeah, they're fast, they're really fast, <laughs> like really fast. they're <laughs> yeah, factory yeah. boys. I figured they were going to be ripping because they're a full factory, and it was pretty cool to see and and ride at the same same place as them
1: yeah i i uh hadn't watched the pro bikes in a couple of years mm-hmm. and I was going to the races all the time when we were together I would never go up there and I was standing on that mound and I was like whoa these guys yeah. Are intense
2: yeah they're fast they were then f- the freaking the battle that Taylor and and um who's the other Oliveira. yeah yeah, yeah that- those the battle that those two had for that championship was in- insane
1: yeah. No matter what Tyler did, he just didn't have, he just didn't have it that day.
2: Yeah. You yeah, know? And that, and it's, it's crazy. Cause some, sometimes you just, you just don't have it and that was a championship day. And that's just, it's unfortunate to see that he, he didn't have it, but you know, props to the other guy that that did have it.
1: That's the first time I've ever seen since I've been watching him ride that he was ever challenged like that. Really? Yeah. I mean, he a few years ago, Dukes was unbeatable,
2: yeah, that's what I heard about him and to come and see that there was another you know kid on the same team <laughs> battling for that championship, it was pretty cool to see
1: yeah, that's crazy because
2: yeah
1: to 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 be at that level um but you know, he had a mold because he's been following that guy, for, yeah he's been following Roberts for years, so he had a good mold, and yeah, had, his little brother was racing on a lower class and they say that he's going to be faster than his brother.
0: Wow. Yeah. Unbelievable. That's crazy. That's crazy. I mean,
1: you know, I mean, we have a lot of influx of youth uh, coming through the works in the young ATV guys, Braxton gross, you know, there, there's a couple of there's a fast kids, the Jackson boys coming up. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, there's some really talented, talented guys. I think Alex Ortiz could make a freaking statement in the pro class
2: oh i agree i agree 100 i think he could he's gonna be fast
1: i i yeah he's got such a great demeanor
2: yeah
1: as far as being he seems well he could be the duck on the water you know where on the surface it's smooth and calm but underneath he's paddling like hell yeah you don't know i mean I've, i've known alex for a number of years and He just has always seemed to be really grounded, and when you meet his dad, I mean, his dad's just a happy-go-lucky,
2: oh yeah, great guy. When I when I was racing works when I first started on Raptor two fifties, we were we raced in the same class, right? Yep. So I he, he was fast then, and he's fast now. So
1: yeah, and he's relatively new back. Yeah. So so his body's you know, getting used to it and the muscle memories coming back and everything. It's, it's pretty awesome to see.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It should be interesting. He's going to, he's going to be something to look for or I'm looking forward to racing with him. That's for sure.
1: Well, I mean, there's, and I don't want to say it this way, but I don't know other, if you look at the, the past history of the seasons, you know, you have now four or five guys that are going to be racing for the second spot unless you guys can muster some speed and, and put a hurting on bow. Yeah. You, you know, you guys, you get three or four people in front of him to uh, help whoever's out in, in, in the lead uh, stretch some time, you know, then you might have a chance to, uh, to change up his tactics, you know, yeah, uh, get him out of his game a little bit, make him work in a, a, a different format. Mm-hmm guy that's that smart and been around that long it's hard to rattle
2: yeah it is and he's just he's he's a very very good rider just overall speed and uh, you know intelligence and you know how he builds and sets up his bikes and you know all of it combined that's what makes you like a champion the way he is so it's going to be tough to take take that away from him um because he's going to be grinding at his teeth to keep it for as long as he can so Uh, I'm looking forward to it. I know there's going to be, you know, like you said, four or five fast guys that are at least going to be battling for that second place position. And I'm looking forward to that battle. Um, like I said before, my goal is to, you know, baby steps, you know, go from, you know, fourth places to, to podiums and, you know, pick it up and, you know, take it from there. So uh, I don't want to set my goals too far out of reach and then, you know, mentally defeat myself going into the first round. So, um, just take it one race at a time. It's a long season and i looking forward to it.
1: I agree. That's it. That's what you, what you really have to do is to make uh, one step at a time. You know, you got to learn how to crawl, then you learn how to walk, mm-hmm. you get to the jog, then you can run, mm-hmm. you know, then you can sprint. So, yep.
2: and I I've seen a lot of people and the reason I do it that way is because I've seen a lot of people in the motocross world, they set their goals out of reach and when they don't, meet those standards. They mentally beat themselves up. And, um, I'm a big believer that, you know, your mentality is 80% of this game and what you think and how you think is, is a big part of, of, of the program and, and, and racing in general. So, you know, I've seen a lot of people set those goals too far out of reach and then they go to the first round and they're not even close. You know, as I've heard people step into the pro class in their rookie year and say, I'm going to go beat Joel Hetrick and Chad Weenan," And I'm like, you know, those, those are great goals to reach eventually, but they need to learn how to, you know, set those earlier goals to get there because if they show up and they get seventh now, now they're just like, Oh, I, I'm never going to do it. I'm not, you know what I mean? So I take those, those smaller goals to lead up to the big goal. That's so I try to think, do you think that
1: I believe this, but I want your opinion. Do you believe that you have to learn how to be a pro? Yeah. And same with you coming from where you came from Mm -hmm. to where you are now, the pro game in both places is
2: totally different. hundred percent. Yeah, I agree. It's something that people don't really understand until they, they, they do, they, they race it for the first time. I think there's, you know, you get to a point in your speed and how you're riding and, you know, you, you compare lap times. And I know in the motocross industry, it's big in the motocross industry. You'll have kids in, in pro-am or, or pro sport. And, you know, they'll compare lap times to pro guys and they're going to, they say, Oh, well, well, you know, with our lap times, we could be, you know, fourth place in pro I'm like, it's just not how it works. It's a different game up there. And uh, I, I 100% believe it's, it's something that everybody doesn't, doesn't get until they do it.
1: The correlation isn't the same because you look at Kenny Stanford. Okay. Last, last in, in 2020, dominated the basically dominated the pro-am, mm-hmm. you know, and his lap times were putting him in, in what would be the top three in the pro class.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. Yeah. He ended up number four this year, but he averaged, his average finish was fifth or sixth mm-hmm. all year long. He was super consistent, you know, didn't make any mistakes, you know, big ones. He had a, he had one bad race in Canyon, but, or one bad incident in Canyon but for the most part, he was just super consistent learning how to become a pro. Yeah. Logan Huff pr- prime example, Won two pro am championships and then went into the pro class. And, um, I think last year was his real pro year. Mm-hmm. He starting with the speed, he was making better decisions on the track. Uh, I mean, he was becoming a real pro and then unfortunately he got hurt.
2: Yeah. Yeah, you yeah, know I agree with you 100. I think learning to be a pro is is a whole whole new learning curve that nobody really expects, even going into pro class.
1: Yeah, you, you, there's something that happens with your switch. Either goes off and you learn, or you're done. Right.
2: Yep. It's just, it's a different game up there. Well, yeah,
1: I mean, and, and the pressure, the intensity, yeah, the cost. I mean, everything you know yeah it costs a lot of money to race a pro-am or an amateur bike but then when you go pro okay now we're racing for money that being said i know that you're partial to the east coast guys uh, because that's where your your roots are and we talk about um and i've talked about this on other shows but i want to get your input from it um the social media crowd that got on joel about glenn helen um the keyboard warriors that were busting his chops um, because it wasn't a long race and it was more of a, a course that was laid out for him. What did you think of that?
2: Um, I don't really agree. Just because I'm an East coast guy did the same thing Joel did. And I've now raced three works races. And to be completely honest with you, I think, that Mesquite was the hardest I've raced so far, but I think Prim was easier to race than Glen Helen was. Really? Yep. And I stand by that because I don't know if it was just because I felt better, but, um, comparing the two rounds, it, it wasn't a motocross. I mean, yeah, we raced a lot of motocross, but it wasn't anything to separate, you know, the guys out here just because and a lot of people online, Think, oh, you know, the motocross section is what what separated Joel. You know, these guys are fast on motocross too. You know, these guys, they're racers, and and we ride on courses that have corners, and you know, just because you know there's a corner in the desert that doesn't have a jump in between the next corner and doesn't make it. You know, it's now different than a motocross corner. And the only difference between a motocross track and a desert track is jumps and whoops and you know inside wedges and stuff like that. But there's still corners. So I, I don't think that, I think that if Joel came out and raced another round, even at the, uh, at the 90 minute race pay or 90 minute um, limit, um, I, 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 I don't, I, I don't think things would change. I think he would still, I think he would still give Bo at least to run for his money.
1: I agree. I don't, I don't, cause you look at, you look at the way Bo treated it. Bo was honored that he got to race against him
0: yeah.
1: and, you know, knew that that day Joel was the man and his yeah. day it was his race. And it doesn't matter if it was 15 minutes shorter or five minutes shorter or five minutes longer, Bo, Bo knew Joel was the guy.
2: Yeah.
1: And, and he said, yeah, if it was longer, maybe I would have got him, but, may, yeah. but maybe I wouldn't have.
2: Maybe not. Yeah. Maybe Joel could have continued to hold that same pace that he was at, you know? So I think people underestimate how fast Joel really is. Yep. Um, In my opinion, Chad Weenan is, is probably the best, just the best overall in motocross. Um, But, you know, Joel is just, in my opinion, the fastest man on this planet. He really is probably the fastest man on a four-wheeler.
1: I believe when Joel finds his center.
2: He's he's never going to lose. Like uh, I kind of see that he's never going to lose.
1: I mean, there's always contributing outside things that come up because for, for Chad, there was a Joel for Joel. Yeah. There'll be somebody else. hundred percent.
2: But you know, Joel's Joel's, his shine is coming. You know, he's already had such an amazing career. His shine is still, it's coming, you know, one day he's going to be that nine, 10 time champion in the motocross world. And then, you know, a it's kid's going to be knocking on his door
1: if he stays that long he yeah may, you know he's twenty-eight. He might, yeah, oh. yeah. And, and and he may he may not want to be racing at 38
0: yeah very true
1: no um you just never know when a guy's gonna say hey i'm done yeah so i mean the the it doesn't mean that you love it any less it just means that okay now my life is going to go here or i'm going to do this right. or do that mm-hmm. uh, because that's what i do um I don't see Chad leaving anytime soon.
2: No, I don't, I don't see him leaving anytime soon. I think the only way if he leaves is if he loses direct support from Yamaha. I think if he loses that support, I think that's when he's going to, you know, take a step back and, and kind of reconsider what he's going to put into it. Um, but until he loses that, I don't, or loses a majority of his large sponsorships, I don't think he's going anywhere.
1: I heard um, through the grapevine that Yamaha is going to increase their um, numbers for the amount of units they build in, I don't think it's 2022, but I think it's 2023 and 2024. In 2024, they've upped the quantity that they're going to build. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Okay. And through 2025, the platform's not going to change.
0: Hmm.
2: Oh. And I didn't, I didn't hear anything about that, but that's pretty sweet. I know Chad, um, not in this past year pro meeting, but the, the year before that I was in that pro meeting and, um, he had mentioned that Yamaha was going to stop producing new bikes. They were going to still produce bikes, but after 2023, they weren't going to make a new bike. They weren't going to make a new model. They were just going to continue to reproduce that 2023 for like good, which which is what he said, but that was two years ago. So I could be.
1: I can see why would you, why would you change it now?
2: You have, I agree. There's nothing to change. I'm not not bike. There's nothing to change. Well, yeah, there always is.
1: There's always evolution. Well, yeah, no, that's independent guys are going to do the evolution now. Right. And we're going to change the things that need to be changed within the realm of the rules. Yeah. Um, I asked, you know, people all the time, do you think we should go to the hybrid market? You know, bring all of the manufacturers in, yeah, Walsh would have the lead, then then companies like Roll would have to step it up, and Lone Star they would have to get into chassis development. Mm-hmm. Um, but the cost just skyrockets. It's already too expensive.
2: I I hate to say it because those hybrids are really badass. I hate to really say this, but hybrids potentially could ruin the sport of AT
1: cross. That's how we lived in the beginning.
2: Yeah, but. Now with the development of where they're going, I think they're just so far out of reach with expense that it pushes people away. And the toughest part for nationals especially, and it's a good thing they still have production classes, um, but those hybrids push people away from the sport. They push, oh, you know, I can't spend that much money. My kid will never compete with that four-wheeler, which it's very true. That those four wheelers have such have have a good enough upper hand that you know it takes you know a rider to ride it, but a kid on a production bike with the same skill level as a kid on a hybrid, the hybrid's going to probably win nine times out of ten. So it pushes people away, in my opinion. Um, I, I
1: don't disagree with that, but what do you say about Max Lindquist? Yeah, what do you mean? You run a production bike against hybrids and beat them?
2: That's Bryce Ford.
1: No. Max Linquist
2: did that. Bryce, oh yeah, he won pro am championship last year. Bryce yeah. Ford won a pro am championship this year, but Bryce didn't race any hybrids. Max did race hybrids. Max, I agree. I Max, agree that production bikes can.
1: Max Max won on a production bike.
2: Oh yeah, I know, and I believe that production bikes can beat hybrids, but that right person on a hybrid will beat that person on a production bike. I think if if a if a Bryce Ford was in pro-am that season on a hybrid, I think Max would have, there would have been a different, there would have been a different outcome there.
1: I'm not going to argue that or or,
2: yeah.
1: or, 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 or just that
2: I, I do. I do agree that a production bike can compete and can beat a hybrid. I just think there's the, in, in, in a decent amount of cases in the nationals, there's a little bit of an upper hand. When it comes to hybrids, and and honestly, it's really not even in the in the 450 classes. It's it's really in the 250 class. That that youth class. There's there's nobody looks at at the 300s, and nobody looks at the Raptor 250s. The only 250 class that gets any sort of spotlight is those 250 hybrid classes, because those kids are riding bikes that are fully capable of competing with 450s, and they're 14 years old doing stuff like you know, Braxton and and that other kids is doing, they're they're going so fast on these two fifty hybrids that they get all the spotlight. And, you know, kids that are thirteen and fourteen years old that, that parents can't afford these these hybrids, they kind of get shunned behind spotlight, even if these kids are are talented enough to compete, they'll never compete on a Raptor 250 versus a, you know, CRF 250 motor.
1: Why don't they separate it?
2: They do separate it, but nobody looks at those low classes. They look at them as as you know, they're not as important as these 250 hybrid classes. They they use those hybrid classes as like the the future of ATV motocross. Which I think is a little sad because when I was growing up, you know, my dad got me into racing, I was raped in a Raptor 250. He might have spent, you know, six grand total and I was racing four-wheelers, you know, competing in 250 class that works for, for top three positions on a $6,000 machine. So we're now in nationals. If you want to go do that, you can, but you're never going to get, you're never going to get the spotlight on one.
1: Yeah. And those hybrids probably cost what? 25 for grand.
2: If they're 20, I think Walsh's are, are roughly like 25 for just the, the roller. Jesus with no motor, no motor or electronics. Hey, Twenty twenty-five. I I couldn't be, I'm not exactly sure the exact amounts, but from what I'm told, that's, that's about what they cost. I think it's like all said sudden done like 30, 30, 30, 32,000 for, for a fully built hybrid. A Lobo
1: 250R chassis with everything, but, and it's not a roller because it doesn't have front hubs. It doesn't have a few things. It's, it's just a chassis. box mm-hmm. and, and most of your components, you still need to provide a motor, a gas tank, all that other stuff. That's $18,000.
0: Yeah, that's crazy. That's insane. <laughs> when when you, when you
1: build one of those, crazy. forty grand for a Lobo two fifty R, state of the art, best best you can buy yeah. for that model. And you know, I know what I put into the four fifties that I build that'll go race a Pro Works class. And I know what I would do different to go race a motocross. And the cost is about eight thousand dollars more to go race motocross.
2: Oh yeah. I would say, uh, and I, I, I kind of told, I said that to people moving out here, they were like, um, cause you know, I always said that, that I never went pro just because I couldn't afford to, you know, a pro ride at a national circuit is a r- ridiculous amount of money to where a pro ride at works. It's a good amount of money, but it's affordable. I've spent little to what I've spent for nationals in just a few, few races I've raced. And I, I I'm not even rebuilding a brand new race bike until this following summer. So, you know, I'm kind of, you know, we're on a budget, but we're still racing pro class and we're still competing. Right. To where a budget in the motocross industry is, is you're not competing on a budget. You, gotta, you just got to go, you got to go for for the best.
1: Are all the top guys have some type of money
2: backing? Um, for the most part, I know there's, there's a few riders that, that, um, kind of support themselves. Um, but for the most part, I would say like the top five, I mean, out of the top five consistently, there's probably one person that, that works a day job. Everybody else, it's either their family or, and or what, an outside
1: sponsor guy that doesn't. What's that? It works. There's only one guy that doesn't. Yep. And his J job is and working on
2: his job. And to be honest with you, his job is, is probably the, the hardest out of most of the MX pros.
1: Yeah. Cause he works on it. Preps his own.
2: Cause team. he works on his, pre- and he, and those, those UTVs and the, the cars and, and all of that stuff that he's prepping in between races. He barely has time to sit down and eat dinner from what he tells me.
1: Yeah, since he's got two cars to work on, a motorcycle, yeah, yep. and ATV. Yep.
2: Yeah, yeah. I think I, I'm. I want to say out of the entire pro class, and I could be inaccurate on this. I, probably three, three people out of the pro class at nationals works a day job. Out of fifteen, you know, fifteen, sixteen dudes, three of them probably work a day job, which is no, no, no disrespect to them. I'm glad I'm happy for those people that don't have to, um, it's just tough for the people that do try to compete at that level. When you got people that have endless time to do, just continue to work and get better at that specific thing. And then you got people that are working, you know, 6am to 6pm every day. When are you, how can you ride during the week? If you get off at 6pm, when are you riding Can't.
1: Right. I look at, I look at like this. I wonder how good of a mechanic race mechanic I could be if that's all I had to do. Yeah. Like Mark, you know? Yeah. I mean, or Paul had that opportunity. Paul's never had that opportunity. He always had to work.
2: Yeah. He always worked, but you know, there's, there are, there are mechanics out there that just, that's their job. When I was on the, when I was on the Hudson team, um, one of my really good friends, Nick Hickey, Uh, his job was to take care of us bike wise. All he had to do was wrench on bikes every day. That was his job. Prep them. We had to wash them. He didn't have to wash any bikes. All he had to do was do any major failures. (laughs) And yeah, there's people out there for sure that do that stuff.
1: That I would, I would don't even know what I would do with myself.
2: (laughs) Be Like a party.
1: I would be just in heaven. Yeah. You know, I never have to go home. I can just work. Yeah. You know, be sleeping with the bikes, you know, <laughs> <laughs> life would be not happy, but yeah.
2: yeah. You know, I got to live that experience of, of all, I, all my responsibilities were, were riding and training. I got to do it. You know, I'm happy for those experiences. So I can't complain too much.
1: Uh I'm not complaining at all. I, I live, yeah. a, I live a dream every day, man. It's just yeah. how many people get to, I'm
2: still, you know, I'm walking and I'm still racing forward there. So I can't complain. <laughs>
1: I don't get to race four-wheelers anymore, but I get to I do so much other so many other things in the industry that I really enjoy. Yeah. That it's it's all good for me. I was I was always a better wrench than I was a rider, so
2: (laughs) Yeah I'm the opposite. I'd say my riding stands out more than my wrenching.
1: (laughs) Jacob, it's a pleasure as always. Uh, Thank you for coming on ATV Talk. Um, I'll have you on again if if you'd like to come. And um, I'm looking forward to watching you in 2022. Um, If anything comes up that you want to tell anybody, uh, reach out and we'll uh, we'll get you on again. Um, I really enjoyed the episode with you and Travis. Um, And ATV Talk is planning on going to um, events next year. We are trying to map it out and Figure out our finances, just like you racers are figuring out your sponsors and your finances, ATV Talk has to do the exact same thing. And um, we want to go um, east to west to uh, north to south and and cover a lot more um, different styles of racing and riding um, and, and get more people involved in what we do and in telling the story of the ATV riders and racers and recreational enthusiasts and, um, uh, keep this thing growing.
2: Well, I look forward to it and I'm always, I'm always, um, open to, to doing as many as you'd like. I'm all, I'm always here for you and I'm always here to talk. So, um, I appreciate the opportunity. I appreciate, you know, being on here and, um, yeah, looking forward to the the next season. Well, keep me posted on how
1: things are going back east, uh, because there's some of the guys I'm having a little trouble getting a hold of. Um, you know, I know Wesley's getting uh, better. I don't know how his progress is. Um, I, I know that uh, Nick's father is is getting better. Um, I'd like to get a hold of Nick and talk to him um, just to see how he, he's progressing into next year. Um, Mr. Ford's the, the Ford brothers. I'd like to also talk to them, but uh, I mean, it, it will come in time. I've been in contact with some of the cross country guys there. They're a lot of fun to talk to, you know, so it, it's great. Uh, I got to spend and have a good conversation with Daryl Rath, finding out about mm-hmm. uh, some of his behind the scenes stuff. Uh, I would really like to go spend some time uh, watching those guys TT race. Cause I love that. That, that is to me, that's poetry in motion.
2: Yeah, we actually, I, I went to um, an ice race that they were at racing and got to watch them race on ice. That was pretty cool.
1: I, I think Daryl's one of the m- most well rounded uh, ATV riders, three wheelers, four wheelers, whatever. Yeah. I mean, he is just a very talented, talented
2: individual. Yeah, he's been racing for a very, very long time. He's been on everything and very uh, widespread. I would have
1: loved to have set myself up like that, but I was never—I never had that skill set. Yeah, he's a good rider. I—I uh, I, I like desert racing. Mm-hmm. I didn't know I like desert racing. I thought auto oh, is the only way to go. Well,
0: <laughs> yeah. You can't do it, You can't do it. Yeah.
1: Yep. All right, brother. You have a great night. Thanks again. The team here at ATV Talk would love your feedback. Please email us at hello at ATVTalkPodcast.com. San Diego's Body Evolution and Wellness Center. With over 17 years experience. Dr. Heidi looking out after all your chiropractic needs. And Coach PJ looking out after all your fitness needs.